Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over half a million times in over 145 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 198 of the Australian Hiker Podcast, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about tent pegs for hiking. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice so that each episode is available as soon as it's published. And if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. When it comes time to choosing a new shelter, many of us will spend weeks, and if you're like me, months, trawling through internet reviews and magazine reviews to identify the perfect shelter. One thing that does surprise me, though, is that while people will often spend this time and energy researching into this large purchase, uh, tent pegs tend to be the forgotten accessory that comes with this kit. Now, I've owned some excellent tents over the years, and it surprises me how often that they're accompanied with substandard tent pegs. (laughs) Some of them are pretty dodgy. (laughs) In this podcast episode, we look at the range of different tent pegs types used for hiking tents and talk about how to use them, and make suggestions based on what we use for what to keep in your tank peg kit. We hope you enjoy. Now, the first type of peg that we're going to talk about is hook stakes. And these really are the original stake, if you like. They're essentially a straight piece of metal, and in the early days they would have been just a heavy-gauged wire uh, with the top bent over uh, for a short section, making a hook. The other type of hook that you can think about when you think about these tent pegs is the shepherd's uh, hook, things that you often see in old movies. (laughs) I was going to say, very (laughs) old movies. Very old movies, uh, (laughs) with shepherds out in the field and they've got this this hook sort of stuff. People are going to say, what's a shepherd? (laughs) (laughs) So, as I said, these are the original style of tent pegs. And for many, many years, you would see virtually variations of them, but that was pretty much about it. And I certainly remember on my first tent that I bought many, many years ago, or sorry, I should say my parents bought for me, um, uh, they came with hook stakes, and that was pretty much the the norm at that stage. Over the years, uh, the the range stakes has changed and increased, and hook stakes are less common than they used to be. However, they still probably rank as one of the most common stakes on the market. Just about every store you go into will sell, or every outdoor store you'll go into will sell hook stakes of some sort. And there's a couple of reasons for this. First up, it's the price. Typically, hook stakes will cost $2, $3, and that's really about it. So they're not a, a particularly expensive sort of stake. And the main reason for using hook stakes is in tough and rocky ground. There's a campsite that I use locally that I go to. Uh, it's a uh, got construction shelters and it's got hard compacted granite uh, as a base uh, to set up your tent on. And one of the things I find that without fail, if I use any other sort of stake apart from a hook stake, I'll end up damaging 
the stake itself, not being able to drive it into the ground because it's so hard. Uh, and this is why the hook stakes, because they're this thin, narrow hook, really don't have to have as much exertion to get these things into the ground. Now, the disadvantage with these type of stakes is it's a potential disadvantage, I suppose, as you can say. Because often that you'll find these stakes so cheap and they are cheaply constructed, uh, they don't take much to bend. And as soon as you start bending these things, they almost become impossible to get into the ground. And while you can straighten them to a certain degree, really you need to get back home and get them into a vice uh, or, or, or take to them with a pair of pli- a couple of pairs of pliers to straighten them back out again properly. Higher quality stakes, uh, and we, uh, if you go through and have a look at the written version of this article, uh, we've given examples of uh, some high quality stakes here. We'll uh, have a higher quality construction. They're made from a, a tougher, harder metal. They'll have a, a better point on them. There's one that we use, which is the MSR hook stake, which has almost got a, a slightly squared off profile. And all these things combine together to make this a robust as possible uh, type of stake uh, in this sort of category. It's a pretty heavy-duty kind of stake in a way for general use, isn't it? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's probably it's it's probably an easy sort of uh, stake to use. I mean, you can use them in very tough, hard ground. You can use them in firm ground. But as soon as you start getting into really soft ground or sand, they're just not very usable at all. You know, the only way you can use them is to put them into the ground and then put a rock on top of them. That's right, Um, we've done that. (laughs) And in which case, why not just use the rock and that's it. I can remember from many, many years ago as a young child um, with a – With the shepherd. Yeah, yeah, with the shepherd. (laughs) The the car camping uh, tents that we we used to have when I was very young and we used very thick steel hook stakes, um, you know, that would rust very quickly – uh, and can be driven into the ground, you know, you know, nine or ten inches, designed to hold the big car camping type tents. These days, I think those have pretty much gone. They've been replaced by a lot of other options, and particularly in the the category for car camping type uh, hook stakes, they tend to be more plastic based. Well, I think that's the other thing, isn't it, that happens here because there's not just the weight of the stake, but there's also the weight of the tent. And with a lot of lightweight tents, you potentially need something that's going to anchor the tent a little bit better. Yeah, and, and I mean, I must admit, most hook stakes uh, will have a weight of probably about 5 to 10 grams. They're not very heavy at all, but as a result, they tend not to have much holding power. So their main claim to fame really is in hard, rocky soils. When we did the Larapenta Trail in 2016, this was the type of stake that I should have taken with me uh, because I struggled to get a lot of the other uh, the stakes we took with us into a lot of the hard, rocky ground that is common on that trail. Yeah, and we couldn't find too many appropriately sized rocks to use. From there, we move on to something a bit more technically um, advanced, and that's the Y stake. Now, this stake gets its name from, if you look at the top of the stake, it's got three veins. Uh, and when you look at it from the top, it has a Y shape. And the aim of this construction uh, method is that when you push it into the ground or drive it into the ground, it's less likely to twist because it's got soil um, on three sides of the veins, which means it, it's not likely to twist. So that's a big advantage. It will work in softish sort of soils or firm soils. 
you will struggle to drive them into very mm-hmm. hard, rocky soils, and they're not very useful in very sandy soils or snow. So they're, they're, why stakes tend to be made for average conditions where the soil is has a bit of moisture, it's firm but not rock hard and not overly soft. Now, why stakes have a couple of disadvantages, and one of those is price. Uh, typically, you're moving up from the hook stakes, which might only be a couple of dollars each. Um, a cheap wire stake is going to be around about the $5 mark, and the more expensive wire stakes, the high-quality ones, tend to be around the $10 mark. From here, the biggest disadvantage really tends to be whether this is a cheap and nasty version or whether it's a high-grade version. And there's two differences, one which is noticeable and one that's not when you're going through and purchasing this sort of stake. The very cheap stakes will often be made basically in a hurry and just by the sheer way they're they're constructed uh, on the cheap stakes, you end up with these very sharp edges on the top of the stake. High quality wire stakes will have those rounded off and not be as sharp, but there's still potential in, in, in neither case do you want to kick one of these things in when you're going out to uh, to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. But with the cheap stakes, I've seen these stakes that have such sharp edges, you'll just rip your foot open if you're not careful. And again, the better quality stakes will have a, a little reflective pull tab to make it easier to pull out of the ground, but also to identify when you get up in the nighttime. Uh, all you've got to do is have some sort of moonlight or a headlamp or a torch of some sort, and you'll see these pegs very clearly. But otherwise, tent pegs tend to be pretty invisible during the nighttime. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, if you're going for the cheaper stakes, I have, as I said, I've seen these cheap stakes. They do tend to bend very easily, uh, and they do tend to cut you if you if you do go the cheaper route. I wonder if there's someone who's never tripped over a tent peg. I, I, I doubt. I doubt. <laughs> I, I think, think that would be yeah. the easier person to find than you know, uh, those who have. There'd be lots of those. Now, the other thing with these tent stakes, the difference between cheaper quality stakes and the dearer ones is the quality of the metal. Again, using a high-grade, high-tensile aluminium, uh, which is the main material used for these stakes these days, as opposed to using a cheaper construction, cheaper metal, it'll make the pegs cheaper, but you'll end up with a peg that won't last as long. And I've had uh, some... Why stakes come with one of my tents, and as much as I love the tents, uh, the the pegs are just not very good quality. And you find that as soon as you hit them with a rock to drive them into the ground, the top of the wide bends, and it just makes them a not very efficient, and it makes them more dangerous because you've got this thing the <laughs> sharp edges almost sideways. So uh, again, I, I, as a general comment for all ten stakes, buy better quality stakes rather than buying the cheaper ones. I've only lost one stake in the last six years. So most of my stakes, I've probably got enough stakes to last me a lifetime now. And, you know, providing I don't lose them, the good quality stakes will last. From here, we move on to what is classed as sand and snow pegs. And again, they, they, they're classed as doing both those sort of environmental conditions simply by the way they're constructed. So sand and snow pegs will often be a flat peg maybe about an inch to an inch and a half wide, so around about three and a half to four centimetres wide. And again, they tend to be longer as well. So they tend to be sort of that 24 odd centimetre in length, whereas a typical tent peg in most cases is somewhere between around about 
uh, 10 to 15 centimetres or 17 centimetres in most cases. So by increasing length, by putting a nice broad sort of stake, which means when there's tension from wind or the tent itself, it's pulling against a much bigger surface area and they will hold into the ground quite well. And they'll work in sandy conditions or snowy conditions equally well. So if, you know, if you're using either of those conditions, this is the type of peg to go for. These are not a cheap peg. Uh, they, uh, you can buy cheap versions of them, but the more expensive versions are around about $15 each. So if you're having to re-kit your entire tent, that's not cheap. And, and I must admit, I don't tend to use these pegs for sandy conditions or uh, snowy conditions. Certainly if I'm going somewhere like a beach or if I'm planning on putting up my tent on a beach, this would be the peg that I would use. Um, but the main reason that Jill and I use them is on wooden tent platforms. So as an example, the Kangaroo Island and Wilderness Trail has a number of tent sites that have wooden platforms uh, and the Overland Track has an, uh, an wooden platforms at most of their hut locations. Now, these aren't solid bits of timber. They've got uh, their boards with gaps in them and the gaps are not huge in width. But what it does mean is you can actually slide a one of these snow and sand pegs in between the gaps uh, and it wedges quite well, just like you've pushed it into the ground, and it will hold your tent in place. Yeah, it's pretty good, pretty effective and a, and, um, a, a convenient way to anchor your tent on a, a, um, a wooden platform. I must admit, I have found with the wooden platforms, they're either just straight wooden platforms and that's it, or they're wooden platforms with some sort of wiring system to attach your tent to. And I don't find that sort of system particularly I've never been able to use no, the wiring system particularly no. well. <laughs> uh, whereas so what, I, what we did on the overland track was we put the tent up towards the edge of the platform uh, and we had a number of pegs go into the ground off the actual timber itself, uh, just like it normally would if we were setting up on the ground. Uh, and then we had a couple of these uh, uh, sand snow tent pegs uh, pushed in between the gaps and they worked very effectively. So again, that's it's really something that, uh, as I said, I don't tend to use them that often, but I tend to use them more for wooden tent platforms. And because of the way that the tent pegs are constructed, they tend not to damage the platforms as well. So it's not not as if you're trying to drive a Y stake into the gaps, which is almost impossible. Mm. From here, we'll move on to a specialty stake, and this is what we are classing as a wind stake. Now, you're not going to find this name mentioned in the magazines, or if you walk into a store and say, I want a wind stake, people are going to look at you very blankly. But they don't really have a name as such, and this is probably the best way to describe their function. These stakes are designed and aimed to hold your tent in place in extremely windy conditions. I'll use as an example here camping and hiking in the Australian Alpine region, particularly around the Kosciuszko area. Normally, if uh, you are camping up in the high areas, uh, you try and just drop down behind a hill to get a bit of protection and wind protection. But every so often, you'll come across an area where you're going to have to camp and you're in flat, exposed area and it is blowing a gale. I have seen tents not staked down properly flatten, uh, that the poles, the, the winds, winds have been that strong that the poles have just flattened down and the tents flattened with it. 
And in that sort of instance, I had that happen to me on a walk that not that long ago, uh, where for one, uh, for the first time in a long time, I used the additional guy ropes. Typically, I'll use just the corner pegs. Uh, I'll guy out the uh, the doors on either side of the vestibules, uh, and that's about it. And most tents will come with additional guy lines for use in windy conditions. And I set myself up in a fairly sheltered sort of area. I located the tent in the right direction into the wind, but the wind was just changing direction. So it blew from one end of the tent, blew from the other end of the tent, blew from both sides of the tent. So it didn't matter what I did. So I ended up having to put uh, up the additional guy lines uh, to hold the tent in place. But before I'd done that, uh, the tent was just flattening down. The poles were just flexing that much. So using a a wind-style stake, and probably the best-known one for this is the MSR Cyclone Stake. Uh, and again, they're calling it the Cyclone Stake because it's designed to cope with high wind it's speeds. It's descriptive, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. These are a 24-centimetre or about 9.5-inch long tent peg. Uh, they're, they're essentially a Y-stake, but they've actually got – they're almost like they've taken a, y, a long Y-stake, made it bigger and chunkier, and then twisted it. And the whole idea of twisting it is um, it, it takes a bit of extra effort to drive into the ground, uh, but as a result, it, it's uh, it's not going to come out that easily. So with using these pegs, I think your tent is likely to give way before the, the pegging system will. Because of the length, because of the veining system, normally if I'm putting a tent peg in, I'll just use my foot in most cases uh, and just push it into the ground with the bottom of my shoe. If it's a really hard ground, I'll go and get a rock uh, or a large stick um, to go through. And I do mean large. I don't mean sort of half-inch thick stick. Just to go through and and use it as a hammer to to pound the ground. With these sort of stakes, you really do need some sort of hammering system. If the ground is, is tough in any way, and it's not unusual in the alpine areas to you get in down under the uh, the grass level and it's almost bone dry and quite hard. So you do need to have a, a look for a rock uh, or carry a, a hammer with you, um, or even a small hammer just to drive these things into the ground. But once they're there, they're not going to come out. They are going to stay stable. So these, are, again, are an expensive peg. Uh, you're looking at around about $14.50 each, which puts them on the upper end of the tent peg range. Uh, they are going to be more difficult to drive into the ground. But these pegs work particularly well in soft to firm soils. And they are really the peg you want if you're going to be camping in a high wind situation. Now, how many tent pegs should you carry? One of the things you'll find when you buy a tent is uh, they will typically, or most manufacturers will typically give you enough tent pegs to one for each corner, one for uh, each vestibule door or, or side door. So if you've got a, a two a double-sided tent or a two-person tent, that means you've got six. And you might actually get one or two more, but it's not quite enough. Yeah, so with, that's right. With, it's handy, isn't it? <laughs> with, with my two-man tents, I need nine pegs in total, but they typically don't come with nine pegs, which need, means you need to add at least a couple of additional pegs. As I've mentioned in the, uh, earlier on in this episode, it's not unusual that they'll make a really high-quality, high-grade tent and just put cheap and nasty tent pegs in there because people don't tend to think about the quality of the tent pegs. So, you know, in one of my tents, I've 
been able to use the pegs quite comfortably. And the other one, I've had to strip out the existing pegs uh, and replace them with a better quality, better grade peg. Now, usually these pegs will last for just about any, any sort of hiking trip that I do, but I'll always carry enough pegs to fully use every guy rope on the tent because the time that you don't use those additional guy lines is the time that the, tent, uh, the wind destroys the tent or it, it collapses in the middle of the night. So for the sake of a only small amount of weight, carrying that extra couple of pegs uh, makes a big difference. So as I said, for my tents, um, I got one for each corner, one for each door, one for the narrow end of the fly, which tends to have one guy line, and one for the broad end of the fly, which has two guy lines. And that gives me a total of nine pegs. Now, usually, if I have a choice, I will use seven Y stakes and two of the hook stakes. Uh, and the hook stakes just give me a bit of extra versatility. It means if, if all of a sudden I'm camping in an area of ground that's particularly rocky and I'm struggling to get uh, the, the Y stakes into the ground, the hook stakes will certainly make things a bit easier. If I'm camping in uh, very sandy soils or using a tent platform, I'll typically use seven Y stakes and I'll tend to go uh, with slightly uh, uh, longer Y stakes here and I'll go for two of the blizzard style stakes and that'll keep me uh, make, make me happy in relation to setting up on the wooden tent platforms. As I mentioned, if I'm camping on the beach, I'll use nine of the snow and sand stakes because they really uh, are the only things that are, gonna, that are gonna effectively hold your tent up uh, because sand's just so soft that it's gonna pull out if you don't actually use something decent. And then if I'm camping in extremely windy conditions, uh, I'll typically use seven of the wind stakes uh, and two of the, uh, the longer Y stakes. And the reason I do that is um, sometimes it pays just to have a couple of shorter stakes. You might find you've got some tougher ground uh, and this gives you a bit more versatility. Now, as far as driving the tent pegs into the ground, it really is going to depend. And I've seen a number of different recommendations. Typically, I'll use an angle of around about 45 degrees. You know, if you're thinking about flat ground, 90 degrees is straight up and then halfway through that. Uh, and I'll push the, the stake into the ground using my foot. Depending on what sort of stake you're using, you want the guy line on the outside of the tent stake, which means the, uh, the hook or the uh, holding notch in the stake, the top of the stake, uh, wants to be facing more towards the ground. That means the, uh, the guy line's not going to pull up off the stake itself. Yeah, and the stake at 45 degrees is angled, um, I guess it's away from the, the tent. That's probably how you describe it, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose if you think about it, um, if you imagine the guy line coming down from the tent and the peg in the ground, the, the guy line's almost at a 90-degree angle to the peg. Uh, in Not in all cases. It depends on where the guy lines are coming from and the tent brand, but that's that gives you a roughly a 90-degree angle with the, with the guy line itself. So from my perspective, as I mentioned, um, there are so many different types of tent pegs on the market, and if you do find that what comes with your tent suits your sort of camping style or you're only camping in the you know in in the same place in the same environmental conditions nothing's changing you can get away with one set of tent pegs uh, but as mentioned i it is really rare in fact it's been many years when i've ever only used one type of peg on my tents uh, anytime i go camping i've always got different uh, options available to me uh, to be able to meet 
unexpected conditions because, you know, as I said, Larapenta Trail, uh, you can get very sandy soils, you can get very rocky soils, um, and you just, and, you know, unless you've done that walk before, you just don't know. Um, you know. And you're better off assuming that, okay, yes, it's going to be rocky, but I need to have a bit of versatility. And I suppose the main takeaway for this, this episode would be we tend to do things in a certain way, and we've done that based on experience and mistakes we've made over the years. <laughs> um, and you might choose to do something different or uh, stay with the pegs that come with the tent itself. Um, but I suppose the main thing I would say here is make a conscious decision about why you're carrying the pegs you are. Um, and if what you've got suits you fine, that's fine. Go with it. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this episode and it's been informative. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.